you know, we're engineers, we're all engineers and, and uh, the AI engineers uh, see everything as a nail because they're, they've got this lovely little hammer as a, a large language model and they want to bang, you know, even the workflow issues and the complex uh, problems in the, in the workplace with a large language model solution. Uh, yes, the, the large language model has a part to play, but as a component of the existing automation that we have. But that existing automation, the way we've been writing the code is not ready to absorb this LLM. We need to change that automation the way we actually construct it and we flip it on its head. You're listening to The AI Optimist with Declan Dunn. You just heard somebody who's talking about AI in a very different way. His name is Masood Alabash, CEO of Omadeus.com, O-M-A-D-E-U-S. And we're talking about how AI frees your time, how intelligent objects and workflows cut 20 to 40% of workday waste. His desire is really to find a solution to the communication problem between people and the systems they use. And in the AI market, everyone's talking about the tech as a tool, but not a platform. And in doing so, he's putting AI into project management and really a paradigm shift. Let's take a listen. How did he come up with the original idea like Amadeus? So we used to use a product called Jira to manage one part of the group. And then we use Trello and Slack and Asana and uh, be, for different purposes, because each tool provides something specific. It solves part of the problem. And we wrote program to connect all these things together. And it was always falling apart, breaking. And so as a, as a, as a uh, t- technologist, uh, entrepreneur, CEO, my uh, uh, ideal, uh, uh, what I had in my ha- mind as in what would work ideally I saw that this model can resolve this issue. So we decided to create a product, uh, a project management tool for technology companies that solves this problem in a beautiful way. And that's the name of the product, Amadeus, because uh, essentially uh, it's about uh, conducting the flow of information, which is done intelligently in a harmonious way. So it kind of resonates with uh, uh, symphony and, and melody and, and, and beautiful harmonies. So everything moves in a harmonious way inside uh, our product, uh, Amadeus. What a fascinating approach. But isn't this just another AI to replace people? That's what I wanted to ask him next. How do you get like those issues of making sure that this augments the person, what they're doing? Because I can see them sort of knee-jerking and thinking that they would be replaced because your current system, I don't see what you're doing is replacing them. But you understand if something's new and somebody's like, wait, is that a challenge to me? Do I stay in control of the information? No, AI is gonna finally fulfill the promise of automation and uh, rid humans from these mundane, uh, mind-killing, crazy things that we do on a daily basis in the event that are boring and we call work. 
Right. You know, I mean, and, and you can, you can pick any, I mean, you know, you have an interesting job. I mean, there, there, there are exceptions, you know, like, um, like I have a wonderful job because I, I follow my passion. I, I'm an engineer. I discover things. I'm constantly learning. You're constantly talking to people, some interesting, some boring. Uh, <laughs> but most people, you know, and I've been there, you know, as, uh, I, I had nine to five jobs where I punched in, punched out. And I, you know, I've done all kinds of work in my life as a student. I, uh, uh, paid my work away to uh, pay for my school. You know, I um, I was a waiter. I pumped gas. I nice. uh, uh, cleaned places. I uh, built roofs. Uh, you know, and, and actually those were interesting uh, jobs. But I had a lot of boring stuff that they call work just to make a living. And and a majority of people are doing that on a daily basis, and they're bored to death. Um, and I think AI is going to create an opportunity where humans get to be humans. Uh, you know, we we all have God-given gifts. We don't get a chance to explore them. Every single one of us, every single one. I mean, I don't care who you are. You have a gift, and you just uh, have been thrown in, into this uh, wild system we, we call the <laughs> the capitalism and market-driven uh, uh, yeah. uh, forces compel us to be scared for our survival, so we can seek something that basically guarantees uh, our roof over our head and our health, you know, it's, uh, and we convince ourselves that, okay, you know, I, I don't know, I am X, Y, Z, but I, on a daily basis, I go there and deal with bosses. I don't like uh, that. really don't treat me with respect. Uh, and, um, and things that I do on a daily basis, routine, mundane stuff, <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not for humans. Uh, but we convinced ourselves and we kind of, uh, yeah, some of us may be good at it and, and, and some of us may even like it, but it's very rare, you know, um, and AI is going to, uh, get rid of all that. I, hopefully it's going to, uh, improve that situation, but the, the kind of stuff we're working on, um, is really quite interesting because uh, I come at it from uh, the angle of, uh, um, um, automations in, in the workplace and um you know my background as an engineer um kind of drove me to uh discover and invent some of these tools that we've created and and i can get into uh this i love the fact that he sees ai as empowering people and using this as a platform is a little hard to wrap my head around and it struck me that the new GPTs from ChatGPT hold such promise, but ended up creating more complexity. Like how many of these AI pieces can we manage? How do we work together? It was funny because when you're saying with like ChatGPT, you know, they just came out, OpenAI just came out this week with create your own GPT and you don't need to do coding. And it's fun and I've been playing with it. But to your point, a lot, it just ends up creating more spokes. Like I'll solve this and I'll solve that. I'm not saying anything against it more. It was sort of interesting that it still relies on me to figure out where I can put this in the workflow, where the workflow is, needs to be more intelligent and help me how to make the workflows more efficient that inherently aren't, I wouldn't say they're not efficient, but we have habits. This is what we had. We've been but you used it. You, you, yeah, you used a great word just now, intelligent workflow. That's a brilliant uh, way of putting it. That's a yes, we're making our workflows intel exactly. Uh, the, 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 you just said it uh, as you were kind of uh, 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 
um, <laughs> assessing this. Uh, it, it is. And, and if you think about it, see, they're, they're, what the discovery of object messaging is, uh, AI is part of it. AI is only one part of it. But the real fundamental part is that uh, when you get together, humans, when they come together in, in, and aggregate it in, in, in what we call companies, you know, we, we, we come together and we make things, right? You know, and then, then we mass produce them, you know, the, thanks to uh, the invention of assembly line. And we abstracted that and, and, and we uh, call it workflow and workflow is actually more complex than straight assembly lines because they're multidimensional. You know, because they're virtual, you can create all kinds of crazy workflows that if you uh, were to create them in, in, in reality, you couldn't because it's, it's, it's a five dimensional thing. You know, here it goes, the form, I fill out section, I give it to you, you decide, oh, this needs to go upstairs or no, this one goes downstairs or this goes to the office next door, you know, so you could route them in different ways and the same thing. So that, that the workflow is, is much more complex, but uh, we humans, in order to do our work collectively, we need to communicate. And so these workflows are nervous systems that are really wiring the, these uh, neurons of this organization. If you imagine the humans are the neurons, the actual creative elements that generate energy, generate information and consume information. And, and the, this nervous system is connecting all these people together. And we also walk to each other and sit there and face to face and we exchange information. You know, this is this we do some of the, some of this stuff as well uh, yeah. in meetings and take notes and, and hand uh, uh, sticky notes. But the majority of the information is is what's in the system, right? And these systems, the way they communicate, uh, needs to change. It's it's easy to see. We need to change systems. And people's perception of AI as a tool and into AI as a platform. But let me let the engineer describe this paradigm shifting invention called Omadeus and walk you through an example of how an X ray can actually be intelligent. Now we can shift to the invention that uh, the, the system that we've created. Yeah. And that's a very interesting problem because <laughs> if you look at uh, large language models, which ChatGPT is uh, mm -hmm. uh, a large language model, they basically are like a vacuum cleaner. They uh, turn it on and they put it on the internet and it sucked all the words, uh, essentially. And it condensed it. And it squeezed it, and it made it into made it into some sort of a knowledge ball. And uh, and I tell my friends not to get upset with uh, whenever they're interacting with these uh, LLMs. Uh, I mean, ChatGPT is one, but you have Quad AI, you have uh, a few different competitors, um, and uh, you know people project their own humanity on on, on the machine. And I tell them, don't get upset with it. And uh, you can argue with it and play and, and, and use it as a tool. It's wonderful. They, they do wonderful things. But don't project your humanity onto it because there's nothing more than a word calculator. I mean, a calculator, you put in numbers and you press functions and it spits out numbers. I mean, just think about it. You put in, you know, and they're cheap. You can buy them for a few pennies now, <laughs> right? But they're extreme. If you take that back to a few hundred years ago, people would think that that came from the sky, right? Yeah. Here's this magical tool that it knows, uh, you know, it can fa multiply faster than any human. But ChatGPT or LLMs are, you know, the input is words and the output is words. 
And the functions are not written on there, you know, plus minus. The functions are also words. So you, know, you use uh, words to tell it what to do. So you got it. So that's what they call the prompt engineering. That's all it is. And, uh, and it does very interesting stuff. Uh, you can load it with a document and it can read and understand. And you can ask questions about that document. You can tell it to summarize the document. Um, a lot of teenagers discovered ChatGPT early on and uh, helped, got a lot of help with a lot of homework, <laughs> caused a lot of problems for a lot of teachers. Uh, and that's really how it uh, burst onto the scene. Yeah. Yeah. And you could, and it's being applied in businesses all over the place um, for all kinds of uh, uh, problems, mostly uh, really for support, chatbots, uh, because it's very effective. Uh, for that. If you kind of constrain the domain and, and feed it some information, then you can ask it questions. It's very intelligent. You can even tie it to a database and give it some numbers. Um, I recently, and I love using them. I recently had to change my glasses. I, I was so happy using, because uh, I could see that the, the technology has improved. It knew my uh, sales orders, you know, because I could see that not only it processes the language, it's also connected to the database and it uh, can look up invoices and can read them. But that's really those, those are that's the limit uh, to these tools. That's it. Um, we we can uh, really not go further out, much much further out. And the fundamental problem that we're dealing with at work is that um, humans we come together um, and we create these organizations we call uh, companies and. Yeah. We get organized around this virtual assembly line, which uh, is called workflow, and we produce things. Because you know, I'm, I'm an uh, engineer entrepreneur, and I've you know, this is my uh, uh, third tech uh, technology startup. And you know, when you when you start a company, at first when you're just by yourself, it's easy because uh, you don't have to communicate with anyone. <laughs> you know, it's, you're super efficient. You're yeah. super efficient. But as soon as you have one more person and the third, second, third, you know, it's okay. You can handle that uh, because even email can exchange information between yeah. a few people. But as soon as you start adding more and more people, the whole thing starts breaking down. Everything starts slowing down. And, and you're adding people because you're successful, because your product Wait. does something and people like it and you're selling it. So you need salespeople, you're marketing, you need more people to make more products and, and expand it and add features. And by the, by the time you're not, not, you know, 20, 30 people, you have a mess on your hand. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. Because, and, and, you know, to me, I was so curious to solve this problem. And it was intuitively obvious to me that the problem is communication. And most people understand that. Most people know that the problem is communication. But how to solve it, where to start? I, I don't, we don't believe that GPT technology is going to get there. It's not going to get us there. Uh, what's going to get us there? And this is the architecture that we've introduced. And uh, we've already built a system using that architecture to kind of demonstrate this is how you build these intelligent systems. And it's inspired from biology. So if you imagine humans around this uh, nervous system and we, we create this beehive and this is a uh, think of it as a biological entity and the nervous system is the workflow and humans are connected to this workflow as the intelligent agents. We, we have the will, we have the awareness of what we want to make and we all have expertise. You know, I have a good taste in color, for example, I think. Uh, or you have creativity in the designing a better uh, uh, transistor or an amplifier or mm -hmm. how things need to get. But you also use tools, but we're connected to this uh, 
network and we're communicating with each other. But the problem is that the exchange of information, the tools that we're using is reliant on individuals. And individuals, humans are really, we're not good at exchanging information uh, for the reasons that I mentioned, because the tools that we've created, they, they, they uh, are flawed in their model, whether it's a uh, system that you put a bunch of numbers in and you hit save, and then you go and put an email, all this stuff needs, needs to merge. Yeah. Um, the silos in the uh, uh, channels, the email information, the sticky notes, the stuff that are data I put on the screen, they need to converge. And the architecture that we propose is inspired from biology. Look, we're saying, look, you get the, to, the, to the system designer, do your uh, original analysis, find the workflow, document the workflow. That's how traditionally we, we uh, build systems. Take those forms from the, the users, analyze the data, but go further. Do some semantic analysis uh, and identify the objects in that environment. Mm -hmm. And these objects or entities, uh, what we call critical entities, are uh, the smallest components that humans talk about. And you know, so if you're making radio, your the smallest component could be a, a resistor or a transistor. So each one really are, these are all critical entities because you put them together to make an amplifier. And that becomes a super component. And super component, that it's entities like your liver. But that super component is also aware of itself. So we make these components responsible for themselves, for keeping track of information about themselves mm -hmm. and figuring out who their stakeholders are. So it's these objects that become intelligent. And now the way we make them intelligent is we give them the structured data. For example, mm -hmm. let's say we're in a doctor's mm -hmm. office and I'm a technician who takes an x-ray. So I take an, a, your x-ray, a chest x-ray, and then I, I create that object in, inside the computer and I say, well, this is an x-ray of, you know, uh, James and he is, this is his age and uh, this is chest x-ray. So this is tradition. This is what we do already. So this is the structured information that gets attached to that x-ray. Now we can build logic and traditional logic as to give this x-ray uh, programming to help it to work, navigate through workflow. But we also give it a large language model. We attach a large language model to this object. Now, this large language model can read all this structured data and can also interact with me as a human using natural language. Because now I made that X-ray capable of interacting with me as a human using natural language. But I also give that X-ray a bunch of different diary books. I give it a black diary so it can keep track of the dialogues between me and itself and the doctor and the nurse, because that black book is special. This which just puts all the, the information that's related for us. And I give it a green book because it wants to keep track of the dialogue between the doctor, the nurse and the patient, because I'm the uh, x-ray person. I don't need to see that. So basically the object becomes aware of what it is because now it's, it knows it's an x-ray because it has a large language model, it has AI. It, it mm -hmm. begins self-awareness as to what it is. And it's programmed to know how to navigate the workflow. For example, it's programmed to know that as soon as it's taken, what you should do, you should go to this address it, over the internet and here's your authentication, here's your passcode. And you go to the over the internet to Mayo Clinic's database, and they've got this other model that is designed to read x-rays of your type, feed yourself to it, 
that produces a report in natural language, take the report, read it, and understand it. And if you've got any major issues, immediately report to Dr. Smith or, or whoever your primary doctor is. Okay, so you can make that today. You can actually, we can actually create that today, right? That what everything that I explained. A combination of traditional programming the, uh, and adding the LLM using this new architecture that we are proposing. Uh, identify the object, create these channels, different channels that I call the diary books for different classes of stakeholders to maintain the information about itself. And that information includes the dialogue with each other. So if I, as the uh, technician, I'm talking to you, the doctor, about the x-ray, the x-ray is present, is listening, and it's actually recording all of our dialogue in its black book. I say something in the black book, you respond to me in the black book. And every time you put, I put something in the black book, the x-ray shows up in your inbox and says, hey, here's what Masood said. Here, it opens up the book and you can read it. Yeah. And then you say something in it. So that's how the x-ray keeps track of us as stakeholders and it bounces around and it's intelligent. It knows uh, that, uh, okay, now now I got to go and, and, and hit myself against this, this uh, bottle that reads x-rays in Mayo Clinic and re I just read it and go, oh God, I'm cancerous. I got to run over and, 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 and show myself to Dr. Smith. X-ray, and this is what we call object messaging. Mm. Our model is called object messaging and intelligent objects. Right. And so the object itself is intelligent and it carries all the information about itself and it presents itself during the process of moving around in the workflow, interacting with other objects and interacting with other humans, depending on what happens, mm -hmm. it records those events in natural language in the right channel and it presents itself to the right stakeholder at the right time. Critical mm -hmm. key points, the things that humans are not good, good, uh, good at. Delivering information to the right person at the right time. Okay, because that right time has something to do with the tempo of the workflow. That's the heartbeat of the organization, that the whole machine needs to be moving with that tempo. And each object has its own heartbeat in a sense, right? It's moving around. So the X-ray as a component belongs to, uh, as a small object, belongs to a whole series of things. It belongs to a visit that's a super component that contains its sister, which is a blood test that was ordered by the doctor, right? Or some other exam. And the actual, uh, the uh, primary exam, the uh, taking of your uh, blood pressure and your vitals that the nurse did initially, that itself is a super component. Each one of those, your, the, the measurement of your heartbeat, the uh, measurement of your temperature is actually an intelligent object. And together they create the vital super component. And that super component vital is itself an, ob a, a, an object. And it has an awareness about itself. So at one point, the doctor, and they all have the LLM that they can ha have interact with the stakeholders, humans, but they can also interact with each other using natural language. So, and if you think about this system that is composed of lots of intelligent objects, Organizing these hierarchical fashions in a way, but around the workflow as they moving around and interacting with humans. So it's the object that knows that God, oh, I got to run over and show myself to Masood and say, hey, look, I'm cancerous. 
So it shows up in your, you're the primary doctor, says, look, look, I just got this report and here are the highlights of what you need to look at. And by the way, here's a report because you didn't put it in some file folder and somebody emailed it to you. I'm carrying it. I'm the x-ray. This is information about me. I'm holding it. And I can show you whatever you want. By the way, I can show you the whole report or you can just ask me questions because I read the report. And I, I can tell you the important stuff. And you got to look here, look here, look here, and look here. And by the way, because you're the primary doctor, I have identified a specialist who lives in South Africa and is on the system. And I negotiated with this appointment object. In two minutes, we're going to have a conference call and I'm going to connect you guys. And boom, here, we're connecting you. Now you guys are having a conference call just like this that you and I are doing. And guess what? The x-ray is sitting there listening. Why? Because it can understand the language. And we, you, know, you guys can talk about it. And it also read the report. It can even have an opinion and say, well, you know, I understand, Dr. Smith, you're saying this. But, you know, uh, the model at uh, Mayo Clinic said this about me. So I'd like to highlight that area. So you have three doctors all having conversations here. So the x-ray itself is, is also a stakeholder in this uh, because it, read, it has intelligence about itself. And all this information, the, the dialogue, the video, it's all captured at the end. You don't need to save it in some file folder. Don't worry about it. I, the x-ray, will hold that too. And in fact, I've read it and I've know, known everything about it. And uh, two months later, when I show up in your inbox for some other reason, if you don't recognize me, you ask me, it's like, well, what are you doing in my inbox? And so you don't remember me? I, you talked to Dr. Smith about me and this is what you said. Would you like to see that 10 seconds of the video? Here it is. This is what you said. And this is what he said. Oh, really? So you can interact with it like an intelligent object or intelligent uh, entity and query it. And so and, 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 and that object itself knows that it's part of a whole visit and it belongs to this patient. And so when you decide to talk to the patient, it says, OK, well, I'm going to, uh, uh, by the way, I've also uh, negotiated and, and send an urgent appointment request uh, with uh, my patient you, to, for which I belong to that patient. So you can have a dialogue with uh, uh, Mrs. Smith about me. But b b remember, um, these are the new HIPAA rules that were passed. And these are the things that you need. These are the guidelines that you need to follow. I just read them. You know, they were published five minutes ago, but I just read them. So here I could tell you what to say, what not mm. to say, right? So right. just imagine that, that the, the, so all the information about these objects end up at the right place, right time. So we don't need to figure out where to organize this stuff, which file folder to put them, who to send them to. That is what we call object messaging and intelligent object. And it's an architecture that we're proposing that merges the new LLM, the, this form of AI with traditional software systems, but with a new architecture altogether. Wow. So many layers to that too, but it's interesting because one of the things I thought just using your uh, x-ray analogy, the x-ray old ways is an output that sits around and somebody's memory has to be able to process it and hand it around, maybe the facilitator, maybe the doctor, but making the actual data, the actual output intelligent of its place in our integrated system platform that it knows and it knows to look and communicate and it's actually being an active participant. And it, so it's not like data is so considered past, right? And very, very well put, very well put. It's, not, it's no longer data. The X-ray 
is an intelligent entity. And you can think of the notion of an X-ray. The actual film is just data, it's one of its attributes. There is an intelligent, a virtual object that's intelligent that knows that this film is just part of me, but I'm an X-ray. So you've given some form of awareness there that is a combination of large language model and traditional algorithms along the structured data that you're an X-ray, you're a chest X-ray, you belong to a 65-year-old Susie Q. And so, and actually this, this is, by the way, this is uh, uh, her blood test, you know? So, and in fact, the combination of, the, of all these components and super components can be uh, controlled by a higher level brain. So if I given it, uh, go back to the example of, of, uh, uh, of the mobile phone, right? So if, if you imagine, and this is actually a new paper I'm writing about the um, AI-based operating systems such that there's an LLM in front. I mean, you know, right now you have Siri and uh, Google Talk or whatever they call it. And most people who've used it, I don't know of anyone who uses it because they're stupid. They're they're dumb because they don't really have access to information because they're pre-programmed with some uh, uh, hard-coded stuff. They know some things about weather. They've been loaded up with some. (laughs) Yeah, but they don't know anything about my uh, my Bank of America app. They can't access that. They can't go in there and click in there and figure out how to navigate in there and, and look up my balance and see how much I've budgeted for my uh, lunch today. Or they can't ac- access my diet uh, program or my fasting program. They, it can't access any of the other pr- programs. They, it's, it's not connected to any of those. And even if it was connected, it couldn't really communicate with it with the current model. But imagine every single app on this device is written using object messaging and intelligent objects, such that the actual app, you can interact with it using natural language. And then you put a higher level brain on top of this, and the user just talks to the big brain and talks to the to the, to the computer, and that big brain decides and deciphers saying for that, he's hungry. Okay, let me first talk to the uh, diet program and get to what his situation is there. Okay, he had fish yesterday, Okay, the diet program says he should have chicken. Okay, I'll take that. Well, let me talk now to the, can we afford this? What can I get him? Let me talk to the Bank of America app, see what we got there as a budget, right? Yeah, like, right. Oh, okay, so bang, here it is. What do we got in our budget? Oh, we got, this is what you've got uh, for uh, uh, lunch today, you know, $15. Okay, now let me see what I can get with $15 chicken. Oh, here's his location. So uh, this is all AI stuff, right? Okay, I found three different things. Let me display that on the screen. Here it is, right? Okay, and then Masood says, I don't like any of this stuff. <laughs> Give me something fancier. Right. says, well, the, uh, we can't afford anything fancier. It's already got all the information, you see? So this kind of architecture that I'm describing can make possible what you saw in that movie, Her. Chat GPT type of AI, these large language models. I don't care how many more parameters you feed them. I don't care how much more tuning you do. I don't care how much more computing you throw at them. Version 5.0, 6.0, 7.0. With this current architecture, they're not going to be able to give you what I described. And in fact, my argument is why go there? We can actually show already an existing architecture that, uh, that can deliver this. And by the way, the output of these LLMs are not all that reliable. 
because right. then they, they call that hallucination. And then I, 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 so you're aware of that. And so the part that's reliable is the processing of the natural language. Because even, even when it hallucinates, which is euphemistically referred to as hallucination, I think Google people call it that. I call that, I call it confident bullshitting. Um, it's it's okay. quite confident. And I mean, right. I mean, I mean, if you've ever seen it, it's amazing. Uh, and I've known a, a, quite a number of uh, insurance salespeople who, who, who use the same. <laughs> they, they hallucinate. The two uh, step, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that's not really reliable. And so I tell the, some of my friend engineers, like, would you allow ChatGPT's output to fly your plane or drive your car? <laughs> no, <laughs> because it hallucinates, right? So it, 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 when you build engineers, when you build a system, engineers like to have a reliability. When we build a plane that's going to cross the Atlantic, we put two engines on it both for load balancing, they're both working, and also what we call fault tolerance. Right. If one breaks down, the other one still can get you, uh, get you home, right? So, uh, and these are critical things we're doing in, in, in operations we're doing in, in saving patients and, and building systems, uh, managing nuclear stations. Uh, most of the stuff we do at work, they're critical. They're mission critical, they refer to as, uh, and uh, you can't have the output of chat GPT or, or the output of these systems drive that. So you need a combination of deterministic logic, the traditional enterprise software, with a new approach, a new architecture that we've proposed. In, in, uh, I, I refer to in my paper as the object messaging and intelligent object that, that I describe. And you, and you take the natural language capabilities of uh, AI and Combine them this way, and voila, you have a beautiful system that is intelligent. And, uh, and you can build that today. The AI Optimist. My name's Declan, and I'm done. See you next time.